1: Hello, everybody. Welcome. Good evening. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the 2023 election. There's a lot to discuss with that. And then we're also going to be discussing uh, last night's debate and kind of a lot of the primary updates that are going on with last night's debate. And just a political stream Many of you might not know, but many of you do know that I—I I was writing about politics before I was writing about, you know, the intricacies of church ecclesiastical, you well, know, maneuvering, and the reason why I'm—I can do one competently is because I understand the politics, and it's the same exact playbook that the Democrats are running in this country. It's the same exact playbook being ran by these liberals who are infiltrating the church so that is why we're going to talk about this uh, and i honestly you know love the intersection of christianity and politics and the christian nationalism debate just comes more naturally uh to me and i'm sure to you as well because of yeah you know, this is just getting back to what Christians have always believed about politics and disentangling us from much of the anti-Christian ideas that have infiltrated politics and our political thinking, uh, especially in the church. So, yeah, I mean, I literally just read today how Calvin writes about the magis or the magistrate interfering with the church to correct it and the church correcting the mag or the magistrate. So, you know, the whole intersection of church and state. I mean, yeah, Calvin, Calvin's ideas, and you know, when they're rebranded by Stephen Wolf, all of a sudden they're controversial. So yes, and, that, yeah. and it's funny because Stephen Wolf doesn't really—he's not inventing something new, rather than just explaining what a lot of Protestants already believe. But that's very controversial. So uh before we get into that, I want to let you know: Evangelical Dark Web Christian News Gathering commentary ministry you can support us over at evangelical slash join uh linked in the description below and also you should uh get on our socials we got uh we are live on youtube twitter twitch and rumble so uh we'll be uh you can follow us there links in the description as well so 2023 um november uh seventh not a very good day for republicans um is there any silver lining in on from tuesday let's kind of start with the positive um okay Governor going Reeves, that's not a positive um well it is a positive because i don't see mississippi being a red state for that much longer uh so I, I mean, I know what you're thinking. Conventional wisdom says this is a deep South state, but it's also the one of the least white states in the Union. I'm kind of surprised it's also as the most as it is. obese state in the Union, uh, the poorest state in the has Union. It has one of the highest abortion rates. I saw the uh, black abortion rates. Well, uh, that explains it. And Mississippi was like astronomical. Yeah. I was. Yeah, uh, it, it's horrible. We're going to get into that issue so, a little bit later. Silver so linings. I mean, I mean, I was listening to a Red Eagle Politic, and oh he basically man, his breakdown was terrible. Well, yes and no. He basically said his outcomes were basically as he basically would say that the election went as expected, which means you didn't overperform, which is it's in itself a disappointment it's kind of like you should, it's kind of like the red wave that never was. You should be outperforming your polls, but you're not, despite a horrible economy, uh, World War III on the horizon, uh, sexual degeneracy running rampant. Like these are factors that should be leading to outperformances, and that's just not the case. I mean, but I mean, from a polling standpoint, I mean, I guess it was as expected prop, uh, the, yeah, I guess the abortion lobby winning in Ohio that was as expected. Um, Pennsylvania going blue or retaining their judge that's expected. So I mean Virginia again that was going to be a little tight, bit of a, regardless. Yeah. And uh, Tate Reeves winnings expected and so is Andy Bashir winning that's also expected is what you're saying. Well, if you were looking at the data going in then yes, it's not, the Republicans did not outperform. Expectations they just underperformed, hopes yes. So uh, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, if you're in the live chat, we will be interacting with a lot of chat tonight. I mean, it's politics night, so obviously, we want to engage and debate. We also have a call in link if you're a subscriber over at evangelicaldarkweb.org, you can get on the live stream. Uh, that is a link for you to do that in the description below. So with that said, um, Tate Reeves not a super popular governor in the state of Mississippi. He retains his uh, his seat. Uh, that's your po- That's like the crowning victory of the night, I guess, for Republicans. And yeah. some New York victories. Th- there were some small victories in New York. Um, some stuff going on in Texas that was victorious as well. Uh, You know, if we're only winning in states that are, you know, where people are moving to as a result of the realignment and people moving with their feet, that's not going to be good in the long term. But Tate Reeves, again, I see Mississippi going blue in the near future. I could see a state like Kansas also going blue in the future Uh, because you got to keep in mind that the whole red state, blue state phenomenon is relatively new in American history. Uh, Really, I would say that the 2000 elections really would solidify the red state, blue state concept. Before that, most states were swing states in a given election year uh, for the presidential cycle. And even if you look at a state like Arkansas, you know, again, that's where Bill Clinton came from. So again, historically, a blue state really only became a red state within the last 10 years because of the Democrat prowess in the state, state legislature. So uh, there's a lot of shifting dynamics that could still be in a shakeout. Uh, you're obviously seeing Florida stay go red and stay red. And you're seeing the whole Northeast just go blue and stay blue. Uh, Republicans used to get senators out of Pennsylvania, but that's not the case anymore. They and might get one out of West Virginia because uh, well, Manchin, this, Manchin did announce today, or at least I got a notification, that he's not seeking re-election. Okay, if Manchin is not seeking re-election, you can count that one in the W's for the Republicans. But I they think, they think it's going to be nearly Jim First It's, it's going to be the governor, I think. That's oh, gonna, but he sucks. Yeah. He sucks. Um, Jim Justice. Is yeah, the name. yeah. Jim, I only said Jim Jordan, but yeah, Jim Justice. So there's been a lot going on with politics. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Mike Johnson on Evangelical Dark Web and EvangelicalDarkWeb.org. Um, so going back to Thursday, and one of the key themes is that Republicans are consistently outspent by Democrats. Yes. And you saw that generally across the board. I don't know if I saw that for the Tate Reeves election, but... I believe Tate Reeves was like the one case where, where Republicans outspent. Be- I mean, Republicans, and this is not new. Barack Obama outspent McCain and Romney. So the Democrats have had a financial advantage. Uh, Hillary Clinton outspent Trump. So Republicans have been at a financial disadvantage for 15 years. And that does not even include the press and the media treatment of Republicans. So people got to keep that in mind. And when we look at elections, some of it's money. You can buy votes. But what I'm seeing is that turnout sucked for the Republicans. Even in Kentucky, let's move on to Kentucky. Uh, Andy Bashir and what's the other guy's name? Cameron. Cam, Dave, David Cameron, right? He did not turn out his base enough. He he got fewer votes than Matt Bevin did four years ago. And Matt Bevin was an incumbent governor, but he was also kind of in, unpopular. So that is something to keep in mind. But despite that, despite the fact that, you know, Matt Bevin was an unpopular sitting governor, still got over 700,000 votes. Dick Cameron didn't cross that threshold barely I think he barely got above six hundred thousand votes. So he did not turn out his base. Kentucky is a state that has huge margins for Republicans in presidential elections. Andy Bashir is a special case because if you think about it, he's the best candidate the governor that the Democrats can throw in a state like Kentucky. He's the son of a former governor. Kentucky's a state that does not elect a whole lot of Democrat politicians, and he's handicapped and hamstrung by super majorities in the House and Senate in Kentucky. The Republicans have super majorities there, and they can override a lot of his vetoes. So this is someone who is a special case. He might be more popular because of how um, powerless he actually is from his position do you think that factors in i mean yeah they were able to override him on a couple things so it's almost like a republican success paradox well it's to kind of like degree john bell what is it edwards down in louisiana similar situation where the legislature is powerful and the governor isn't necessarily fighting them on a lot of even some of the pro-life stuff that they're trying to do so you're able to He's able to basically have these good laws go into effect, even if he's not for them. So, you know, it, it's not. Um, and I think it's kind of like record. Bill Clinton winning reelection with, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich and the conservatives that took over Congress in the nineties. And that made the Democrats look better. I think Barack Obama was actually helped by the, 2010 election which in which republicans took over a lot of state governor's offices and then they improved the economy in those states which made the economy seem not as bad in 2012 when obama ran for re-election also doesn't help that republicans ran the worst one of the worst candidates they've ever run run for president top three worst in mitt romney uh i mean mccain's also in the top three as well so as far as worst candidates in 2012, so there's kind of like a success paradox angle to it, and I don't know if that's the case for uh, the disappointing results in Virginia, that the momentum seems to have stalled there. But I, I think the other thing with Cameron is that he ran on a Trump hump, and that did not work, and. When your messaging is I'm endorsed by Trump, vote for me. That is a terrible message because people vote for candidates, not necessarily endorsements. Now endorsements can get your way in a small election, but if he want, in has a statewide the, election, it won't. But he has the one thing that the boomers love to vote for. And what's that? a uh, little man, he's got the right shade of melanin. And yet they didn't come out for him. Like, but so, sure enough, he would have, let, he would let's, have used the card. Uh, we're going to move to Ohio next, but I'm going to catch up on some of the chat questions. Um, Outlaw asks, help me understand how does the politics fit people's hope in Christ versus a politician? And I think this is the wrong categorization. This isn't something we look to for salvation. This is something we do because it's good works. Um, aligning the civil sphere with The law of God is what we should be working towards as believers. This is pretty much what Christians have always believed until, uh, man, we can get into a rabbit hole on the Anabaptist and the Montanist or Montanist. I don't know. And then um, pretty much a lot of this Anabaptist uh, polity that. Morphed into what is now very prevalent in a lot of dispensational circles. So Christians otherwise have always believed that um ordering politics, ordering the civil sphere to the law of God is good for society at large. And that is what we're doing. This is an outstretch of our good works, but politics is also a way in which we can advance the gospel to a people group. And that is historically proven um, to be one of the most effective ways in getting a nation to go from the pagan column to a more Christian column. Uh, So obviously people have to accept Christ individually and they're justified individually and not as a nation, but ordering the politics to the law of God goes a long way to getting more people to accept Christ on an individual basis. So I see this as the outworking of Christianity, not the inworking of ourselves. Uh, And I hope everyone sees this more as good works and not um, works to save uh, ourselves in a a way. Uh, It's not something we put our hope in. It's something we do because we have a hope in Christ. And uh, anything you wanted to add to that? I mean, we're not here to slip any politicians, if that's the concern. Uh, Yeah, that is correct. We're not here telling you cheetah Jesus saves. Don't worry. Or even, you know, Florida man, uh, Florida gator man will do everything that you want. We're not here to tell you anything. Uh, So Paul asks, what do you think of the theory that the GOP has traded suburban women who reliably vote in off year and midterm elections for working class voters who only show up for presidential election years? Actually, this is kind of where I wanted to go with the Ohio. Um, So I hadn't read the full question yet, but that's actually where I want to go with this because Ohio was a turnout issue and i got an article over at evangelical dark web which will probably be the best way to tackle this because it goes into uh we get into some polling data specifically from the exit polls i mean if you want to win on abortion you can't necessarily rely on women suburban women to deliver that for you and that's the problem is that women love their abortion especially minority women so you can see the screen, right? Yep. Uh, yes. Um. So, question one ballot initiative in Ohio has enshrined abortion in the state's constitution. As a result, the result as of the publication uh, was fifty-five five to forty-four five, and that went up to like fifty-seven. I want to say, uh, percent of the of the vote. So that it it was a ten point victory for the abortionist. And these results coincide with the gloomy uh, gubernatorial vote from Kentucky, where Republicans failed to flip a governor's seat that they honestly should have flipped. Uh, The results of the referendum will enshrine abortion in the state's constitution, despite the heartbeat law currently in effect. The result of the referendum threatens uh, threatens this progress. So one thing about the referendum is I do believe that the referendum explicitly talks about. uh, It explicitly talks about the unborn like it actually uses the word unborn child yes so don't tell me these people don't know that they're advocating for murdering unborn children they these people who voted yes all knew exactly what they were voting for it was even spelled out in the pro-life language and it still failed we still lost and um we can Break down this loss for a second because there's a an NBC News did a uh, an exit poll and it's pretty fascinating. And I made the comment that the Brian Tome or the Tome version of Christianity is clearly having an impact in Ohio, and he is the pastor of Crossroads Church, is one of the top 10 largest megachurches in the United States. Uh, at least the last time I covered him or looked at the list, he was on the top 10 and i think he's in the columbus area or the akron area so one of those areas and it's clearly having an effect he's kind of like their version of andy stanley he's also bad on the gay issue uh we did that video a long time ago so white born again or evangelical christians this was 30% of the electorate they voted 76% pro-life. That's kind of expected though. I mean, if you look at what they say One in four voted pro-abortion. Yeah, but that would be expected because when they talk about the white evangelical voting bloc, it's generally something like 70 to 80% vote Republican. So, I mean, it kind of like similar to that Republican Trump voter where one in five Republicans is basically just a Democrat with an R next to their name. So, I mean, it's not proportionately unexpected. When you categorize the like, if you you know compare election to election, yeah, one in f- what one in four evangel- white evangelicals, right, or evangelical voters is basically it says, a white. Cl- oh, it says white. Oh, says white. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, one in four being a turncoat. Yeah, that's not unsurprising. So one in four is a Russell Moore, David French can't legislate morality, and this drives me nuts because the people at G three spent a considerable amount of time attacking Christian nationalism when they should have been attacking those one in four people who don't believe we can legislate morality. Uh, Because it's not like those are black Protestants, you know, or otherwise pro-abortion people. I don't believe Methodists are counted in a poll as evangelical Christian, and most of them wouldn't identify as born again anyway. This is basically your Pentecostals, your Baptists, or Baptocostal, uh, Presbyterian, the based kind, not the USA kind, uh, and your non-denominational Bapticostals. So that's who's in that poll. That's who's saying yes. Um, now, one in four is pretty bad. But let's get to the good part, 30%. That's 30% of the electorate. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that the church didn't turn out their the voters. I, again, I don't want to just blanket blame the church, which I mean some people I, are. Some people are into, doing that. There, into doing that. I'm not saying they aren't bad churches because you just mentioned one particularly large bad church. Yeah, I, it's a multi-campus mega church. <laughs> but yeah, uh, 30% is pretty good. Like that's good turnout percentage-wise, that's good turnout. So I wanted to highlight that. Could it have been higher? Absolutely. That could have been a higher turnout, but that was good turnout. 30%, I don't know what the proportion of white evangelical born-again Christians is in the state of Ohio, but 30% sounds about right, or they overperformed maybe it's twenty five percent they got up to thirty i mean it's about twenty two and a half percent are voting in the right direction uh uh the total vote yeah so it's one in five voters as so, far as the seventy six percent goes that's wh- about one in five okay so additionally trump voters underperformed as the twenty twenty results are uh forty three Uh, So the results, okay, let me restart. So Trump in 2020 got 53% of the vote in Ohio. That's Trump 2020. And in this election, the Trump vote from 2020 was only 43%. So 43% of this electorate voted for Trump in 2020. And before you say these are young voters who didn't vote for the, this is their first time voting, um, 4%. And other means that they voted third party. I assume it means they voted third party or didn't vote at the top of the ticket in in 2020. Am I reading this poll wrong? That sounds about right. Um... Biden performed exactly the same as he did the Biden electorate and uh, the Biden vote in 2020 is about the same. So, what's the biggest takeaway here? No, the Trump voters obviously the weren't. The Trump vote did not show up. Yeah. And again, I, uh, I got to right. throw some blame on Trump and again, GOP well, establishment. And... Let, let's save that for a second. Okay. Because I do want to, I'm just getting the bad news. Let's give the good news. 81% this is the only group to outperform white born again, evangelical Christians was the Donald Trump voter. They just didn't show up like 10 points lower proportionate of the electorate is 10 points lower. That's embarrassing. Uh, I like, and we're trying to pretend like, Oh, the, the state's just uniquely pro abortion, which, hey, people are pretty pro-abortion these days. I don't want to sugarcoat that. But let's be real here. The pro-life lobby did not turn out the base. Now, so Republicans need to solve their turnout issues in Ohio and elsewhere. The proportion of Biden voters is the same as 2020, meaning the failure of Trump voters to come out in support of life is the one is one of the driving factors behind this loss. Additionally, the failure to show up for the prior referendum, which would have increased the threshold for this re- referendum to pass, would have rendered tonight's results a win. So basically, they had a referendum a few weeks ago, if not a couple of months ago, in which the state determined what the threshold was for a referendum to be enshrined in the constitution. It was going to move it to a super majority. Uh, I believe it was going to be like 60% in the vote. They did not get fit 60% tonight. The referendum, had they won the preseason, so to speak, they would have won tonight. But instead, they did not get their act together between that election and this election. They did not turn out the Republican voters. It's the Republican or. The Donald Trump voters specifically, they didn't turn out the Donald Trump voters and it cost them bigly. So now let's uh, break down. Why do you think that is? No, I mean, no, this is where I'm just going to throw Trump under the bus where you got to be showing up for your for your voters. I mean, like Donald Trump could have like done some rallies in Ohio, you know, do ballot harvesting at your rallies. I don't know if, how legal that is, but, you know, if you can do it at a church, I'm sure you can find a way, but yeah, Trump should be, should have been on the ground in Ohio fighting for these ballot measures. The GOP shouldn't be hosting a debate after an election cycle or after an actual election day, they should be willing to put it off a week so that they could focus their energies on the ballots that are supposed to be casted instead of uh, presidential primary politics. So even doing the election yet, or the debate yesterday is an absolute misuse of resources. And again, I mean, maybe DeSantis could have helped out in Virginia. I don't know. But the idea is that they can't like, you know, for someone like DeSantis or Trump, you should be going to the swings, going to these states because they are still swing states and trying to get the down ballot, I guess, advantage. I mean, again, meeting with the local activists So there's a lot of benefits to your campaign if you're on the ground doing work, especially if you're DeSantis trying to take out the king. I'm going to push back. I actually agree with the decision to have the debate right after the election. You're trying to capture enthusiasm. So I I think that's not a bad thing to do. It's kind of like having an anchor show. It's kind of like being the show that comes on after Sunday night football or something. You're going to get a ratings boost, you know? True, but from a resource standpoint. Uh, But I do think there's some candidates that really should have done something in Ohio. Donald Trump is one of them. This is, uh, again... He's the de facto leader of the Republican Party, and he was missing an action on this fight. If if not missing an action, he was opposing the existing Ohio heartbeat bill, which is now in danger as a result of this referendum referendum result. So Ohio had a heartbeat bill, that's now going to be gone, if these unless the judges you know say, hey, we're not removing this law because it's just. Well there the is there is community community actually is unjust. There is actually another recourse. I mean again, because Ohio has a like what a, a majority threshold for an amendment. So you all you have to do is just put it back. Yeah, in I would the just ballot. run the rerun but the amendment and have Jeff, it during a presidential cycle. Jeff Gerbin did talk about how they're just they're still going to introduce their equal protection law in the in the legislative session. So you know the, and they were dissuaded from getting that that law was dissuaded from being acted on because oh that'll interrupt our efforts on this on this amendment fight. So basically they I guess block the equal protection law. So if you get the equal protection law you're in a better, much better place. And that's why that's what the pro-life movement should be arguing is equal protection under the law. And they're not arguing that premise because they want to treat women who murder their own children as victims. Even though they're the one with the gun, they're the one loading the gun, they're the one pointing it out their stomach, and they're the ones pulling the trigger. But, no, there's someone doing it for them, even though that's not true majority of the time. Uh, majority of abortions are self-medicated. Or so for 20, I don't want to say medicated, but you know or, they're self-done. Or for $28 a month, you can save a life, you know? because. If they see the ultrasound, they'll totally not say yes to the abortion. Which again, I mean, I think a lot of the people who go for that are looking for a, an, yeah. an out because, again, taking a life isn't something that even sinners do lightly. No, well, you unless think. you're like Hamas. Well, you would think they but, do uh, it. of I mean, lightly but but these people, I mean, again, they want. I mean, the uh, the law says uh, Or Hillary on, Clinton, she like the amendment that they're voting on, said unborn child. So again, I guess they do take it very lightly. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. I, I think Donald Trump should have done something because he's the de facto leader of the Republican Party, and he's been missing in action. Vivek Ramaswamy's from Ohio, so he should have done something here too. This is his backyard. Uh, he, this is his state. Show some leadership. Especially if he's, I mean, obviously in your own state, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to him, but let's just be honest. We're going to talk about him and if he he has his household in order, if he has any, I don't know, ambitions beyond uh, a campaign that's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Then yeah, he should have been boots on the ground. He's not, he's not really the boots on the ground type. I don't hear anything about Vivek rallies or campaign events in the key swing states. I just hear him having media appearances. And he's an Astroturf candidate. I'm just gonna be real. Like, he's not grassroots, he's Astroturf. And along those lines, he traded access to his presidential campaign. So he here here's the trade. Like, I don't know if you've seen the meme going around the meme template of this is a trade offer. Uh the person on the media, the person on the platform gets a president the you know the appeal of a Vivek Ramaswamy interview, which is of value to their platform, right? I'm trying not to name names to use an example, but let's... So they get uh, an entertaining guest on a, on a platform. They get to discuss presidential politics and all this other stuff. In exchange, Vivek Ramaswamy gives them access to his campaign and the credibility to entertain other politics and pretend that you're being fair in the, in your analysis of the race without threatening your bottom line, AKA Trump. So you're able to say, Hey, I'm open to all these other candidates in the race, but you're only really open to the least threatening to Donald Trump candidate in the race. I mean, least threatening because Vivek Ramaswamy is not threatening Trump at all. And he, he, thanks like there's no reason why he's in the race other than the show and we're going to get to that in this when we talk about the debate so he should have done something in ohio if he's serious about being a leader a future leader in the republican party that's his state he should get his own household in order to use a line of his that we're going to talk about later so boots on the ground uh I, I, again, the results in Ohio are disappointing. Uh, it's not something to completely doom over because we can just have some sort of technocratic amendment during a presidential election that will overturn that amendment. But we got to get our turnout up. And the Trump, the, the MAGA voter needs to show up for elections. So going back to Paul's question, what do you think about the theory that the GOP has, has traded suburban women who reliably vote in off-year elections and midterm elections for working class voters who only show up for a, for presidential election years? And I think this is there's something to this because it used to be Republicans could win every election but a presidential cycle. And now it's, are we a- a really only able to compete in an election cycle nationwide uh, or presidential election cycle? Is that really the only time we're able to compete? And to some degree, that's historically been the case for Republicans. Uh, you you look at, in the past, voter registration, uh, number of House seats and stuff like that. The Republicans have always outpunched their um weight class when it comes to presidential politics that's kind of historically always been true in terms of how many states were really red states uh at a state level versus and the voter registration and all that you know richard nixon won a landslide margin because basically whoever was not a diehard democrat voted for him and that included a large coalition of independents so i think the The unique Trump voter is the least reliable voter in the Republican tent. That's my theory because they didn't show up on game day in 2022. You look at Pennsylvania, turnout was bad. I realized the candidates were not great there, but you look at, you know, I want to say Wisconsin, but they did show up. uh, Ron Johnson was able to win in Wisconsin. You look at Michigan; the Republican Party is in disarray there. I saw that someone in the chat was from Michigan, uh, but so you probably know what I'm talking about. So Pennsylvania is, is is a mess. Michigan's a mess. Ohio's you know a rhino fest, but it's actually one of the more competent Republican parties in terms of moving the the state to the red. Uh, but uh, is there another explanation? I mean. It- It must be noted that the suburban white women, like, again, that's going to increasingly be be made up of college educated women. So that's an increasingly liberal demographic. So I think we do need to at least understand that that demographic that in the trade-off is also less valuable than it was 10 years ago. That's a trending blue demographic, especially if they're unmarried. So just keep that in mind. That's that, that is also a shrinking pie. So it's not necessarily a trade is what you're saying. It's like the Republicans, the coalition has, re, has been redrawn, or like the battle lines, the voting lines have been redrawn. So the question is, you know, where are the Republican votes? So to me, this vote in Ohio was the Republicans got outworked. And people are trying to, this is where the evangelical angle comes in. People are trying to hyper-spiritualize the results of this election. No, the Republicans were outworked. They were outspent and outworked. This was a winnable fight. They didn't show up. And you got to put in the hustle in a campaign. People, the Republican Party is so without leadership. Donald Trump was nowhere in this fight. And he's also dissed heartbeat bills, which was the law that, you know, if he was for heartbeat bills, he could have rallied the people in Ohio to have saved that heartbeat bill. But instead, he was nowhere on the fight. He was missing in action. Um, and the Democrats took advantage of this leadership vacuum in the Republican Party exploited it. Um, to use a World War II analogy, imagine if the Republic, the pro-life legislation, say the heartbeat bill, say the pro-life side was the Atlantic wall on the beaches of Normandy. And, you know, the invasions coming on D-Day and Erwin Rommel takes an ill-advised vacation with the imminent invasion coming and the Axis powers don't want to wake Hitler up. That is the type of leadership uh, crisis that was exploited on Tuesday in Ohio. Thoughts on that analogy and breaking Godwin's law? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no leadership, there's no message. There's also just the, the house divided, I think, is also uh, oh, yeah, one the, factor because you got Ohio right, right to life. Oh, yeah. Ohio hiring White. a Christian for saying that Jews need the gospel. Yeah. That was the moment I knew that they were going to lose. Let's just be honest. Like, they're not serious about the campaign that's coming up. Uh, You basically say that we're going to follow the money before we follow God and not both are going to dry up as far like, no, who would donate to right to life organizations because they don't have a fundraising strategy, except a 15 week ban, which is never going to pass Congress. And it still Um, allows 99% of abortions. Whose life are you saving with that? Not enough. But no, we can compromise. We can find common ground with people. You're that... not even doing an Oscar Schindler. I could have saved more. It's more like I hardly saved any. I mean, no, you're more like Walter White trying to negotiate as Hank is going to get shot in the head. They're not going to negotiate. They've already made up their mind. So Yeah, and you know, you're trying to do the Hillary, or not Hillary Clinton, wrong pro-abortion individual. You're trying to do the Nikki Haley triangulation on on the issue uh uh see yellow Moth says fun fact abortion has been an issue has been a go-to issue for the gop to get votes for 50 years why would they fight against it now they count it as a w because they um, want to walk away from it they've always like there's always been like a libertarian esque higher or like class in the higher the Koch brothers yeah um uh, would be one example of that. The people of the McCain's, the Carl Roves, like those that era. And, and there's still a lot of that left to go. And a lot of people just say, Hey, punt it off to the court so they don't have to legislate. So there's. So I want to move next to the debate. Uh, I honestly thought that this debate was less interesting than the previous debates. I mean, it was better formatted in every possible regard. So here's the thing. I honestly wasn't sure that there was a decisive winner in the debate. Maybe I was uh, distracted. Uh, Maybe just there wasn't that hot moment for me. But And then I see on social media, wow, Ron DeSantis must have done way better than I thought he did. I thought DeSantis was the clear professional in the room. And it's it's also but because no the only the only person I thought did bad in that debate, Nikki Haley. But we're gonna have some tweets to discuss about that one. I mean the pro yeah, I mean part of the problem is DeSantis is able to like be ahead above the smoke in a sense. He's basically not eating anyone's dust. So he he, because he's going in there ahead of the others, he can basically survive. And they're essentially everyone else is taking each other out. And they're just giving it to DeSantis. All right. So let's uh, I, I wrote this article for this morning. So the third primary debate was hosted by NBC News and their liberal host immediately set the tone that they were going to be more professional than the liberal moderators at Fox News and exceeded the low threshold. First sentence. So let's talk about how it was moderated. I thought, again, this was the best moderated debate so far. Clearly, they were a step above Fox News in terms of professionalism, uh, in terms of serious questions, in terms of just moderating the candidates with each other. They used discretion when a candidate was name so it wasn't an automatic you get to respond when your name is mentioned yeah because that, that does turn into a lot of time wasted exactly but yeah. the other thing let's just talk about the fact that they went an entire hour before the commercial break that was nice like so you're not actually having the, now the first hour kind of sucked yeah but you're not having the flow interrupted so you're actually at least able to get substance even if the substance is kind of bad at least that first half hour it was basically all Judaism all the time but or all Israel all the time but they actually were able to have a little bit more flow they weren't losing control because someone's trying to get a word in before the bell and yeah they didn't even have a bell i don't even think so i, mean, they I, I thought they lights. did a great job uh you know as far as a televised thing and then Vivek wants to say that, you know, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson should have been asking the debate questions. I don't. First of all, I don't think Joe Rogan's meant for debate questions. I think he would just be good for a long form interview. And second of all, Elon Musk, uh not even a natural born citizen of the United States, in my opinion. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, I actually appreciate that. I mean, honestly, I didn't like the fact that they had the British dude last week. I like it how it's like just, it was past his bedtime. Absolutely, just disrespect the media off the bat, and yeah, but I, he didn't answer I, the I like question it. that was yeah. asked. And the reason why he didn't answer the question that was asked is because he's kind of running to be an entertainer. He's he's not really running against Trump. I I don't know whether Vivek's strategy is to take the be Trump's successor in the race, if Trump were to get convicted and, you know, not be able to run anymore. But I think Trump's strategy is to run from prison if it comes to that. So yeah, but the same people that would disqualify Trump would not give it to Vivek. I don't think there's a vote for Vivek to get in the event of Trump's downfall. Yeah, but I'm just saying there's delegates. The delegates say, at a convention. But let's say Trump convention. has 45% of the vote because he's the 45th president. So I'm being arbitrary um, right now. If Trump is out of the vote, is out of the race, is no longer a consideration, that 45%, I think 5% of that's going to go to Vivek. And most of that's going to go to DeSantis. So I don't see him going anywhere or doing anything. I think this is just a vanity campaign for him, just like it was for Ben Carson, just like it was for Herman Cain, who got screwed, by the way, Um, just like it was for a lot of people. So, um, but NBC News did a much better job than Fox News. I just wanted to highlight that. Um, That's how bad Fox News is. Doug Burgum failed to qualify for the debate, so we didn't get... That you know, Al Pacino-looking man, who I think is good-looking and has excellent physiognomy, hmm. but a lot of people really don't You're like forgetting his eyebrows. To say something. What? Forgetting to say something. The next sentence. Uh, no, no homo. No homo. No homo. Uh and then Mike Pence dropped out. And Asa Hutchinson and others did not qualify. So Mike Pence dropping out, I think actually vastly improved the quality of the debate. Oh, well, yeah. I think having five people on the stage matters versus yes. others that just don't belong there. Is it, is it sad that I think Doug Burgum is the third best candidate in this race? And it's just because he's an average Republican governor, which makes him automatically better than Nikki Haley. He was a, you know, a terrible governor. Or Chris Christie, who wasn't really good uh, by, you know, standards outside of New Jersey. So just some thoughts. Uh, And then, yeah, Mike Pence not being in the race. Man, was that better. It it was just so much better without Mike Pence in the race. In the debate stage. I want to thank you for the question and make a bad joke. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't get a Mike we, we didn't get a Mike Pence sex joke moment, and I'm really thankful for that, and, and so is my wife. Um, so anyway, the five candidates who opposed Donald Trump took the stage: Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, and Chris Christie. I think that was in poll order, um, is what I had. That uh, I think that was also in. Now, what's interesting is Steve Dace gave his analysis, and he was at the event. He said. He basically paired the candidates. He said that, you know, during the breaks, uh, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy were getting along and chumming it up is what he said. Nikki Haley and Chris Christie were buddies the whole time. And then Tim Scott was socially awkward and by himself. I'd actually agree with that. And I kind of thought that myself watching it live where DeSantis and Ramaswamy, like Vivek aside from making the heels comment, which, you know, Nikki Haley, uh, Totally We're going to talk about that. that. I, I got that. Tweet Apart from up. that, he didn't take any shots at, De- at DeSantis. And he was focusing all his energy on Haley throughout that debate. And obviously, Chris Christie is a rhino. And so. See, and that Vivek Ramaswamy is a spoiler candidate. And that, yes. if you're a Southern Baptist, run a spoiler candidate in Indianapolis this year. Uh, You should have ran one last year just because anyone can nominate anyone on the floor and then you get to give a nominating speech and then you can just trash the other guy in the race. It's dirty politics, but it is not sin. So game recognized game and Vivek Ramaswamy is looking familiar in this instance. Now I think Vivek Ramaswamy is a snake oil salesman, but um, he's at least But at least you see that, hey, he's not running to be president. He is running to damage other campaigns. And he took aim at Nikki Haley. And I think he scored some hits. Um, We're going to talk about that exchange in a second. Tim Scott uh, and Chris Christie were were there as well. Uh, I do have a lot to say about Chris Christie. So let's talk about Chris Christie's for a second. And I got this section of the article titled, Chris Christie for Jersey Mike's. And if you live in the East Coast, you probably have a Jersey Mike sub. I don't know if that's a nationwide franchise, but we have them here in Maryland. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, When it comes to subs, there's no candidate I trust more than Chris Christie. Christie had a good moment in which he was asked about how the U.S. Navy should build to match China's now larger fleet. Now, I didn't know that China had a now larger navy than the United States, but I guess here we are. Uh, Christie's answer was to emphasize nuclear submarines. Now, this answer resonates with history as Americans pioneered uh, subs against the British during the American Revolution. The Kriegsmarine developed an extensive U boat program to counteract the supremacy of the Royal Navy. The Imperial Japanese naval, Navy also had an extensive submarine program, but their war doctrine handcuffed their potential to interrupt merchant trade. Um, the, with unmanned boats, aerial drones, and satellite reconnaissance, going deeper into the oceans is the historically most precedented way to counteract a naval disadvantage. If anything, Christie undersold his answer, but I thought that was a brilliant answer by Christie and his best moment of the campaign so far. I, I don't think he's had any good moments. Actually, maybe when he was beefing with Vivek Ramaswamy, that was a kind of good moment for him. I don't like Chris Christie at all, but that was a very good answer to an important question. So I, I wanted to hi- I wanted to give credit to that. It's not like his campaign's going anywhere, but uh, your, your thoughts on that answer? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess there is, I mean, I'm not necessarily qualified to say this, but what is the... I guess the quality of naval ships in modern warfare, kind of like how tanks aren't necessarily proving to be the most effective in Ukraine. Is that going to be the same case with the destroyer? I mean, obviously an aircraft carrier is still an aircraft carrier. So I, well, China having a larger, might be, uh, Navy in the U S is not a problem. And I think it is a problem because The U.S. Navy is spread out across the globe. We have different fleets named after, you know, a Mediterranean fleet, an East Asian fleet, uh, Persian Gulf area fleet, and, and, you know, Atlantic Pacific and all that. So because China's fleet is larger, and I presume that China's fleets are not as scattered across the earth, I think because of that, um, there's a a tactic or a strategy in warfare called uh, defeat in detail in which you are a smaller force overall, but you, sp- you focus all your energy on taking out, you know, one of the, you know, I, I think China's your soldiers. But I think, but I think a, China is trying to get it. It's, access but China's Atlantic, a larger, so but, they want Atlantic access, but in well. terms of the Pacific, if China's the larger naval presence in the Pacific, that's a problem for the United States. I mean, but again, I am willing to at least entertain the question of whether destroyers are the way to go with regards to naval warfare. And I think submarines might actually be, I I think Chris, I think Chris undersold the case on submarines being the solution to this problem. Uh, Submarines, I mean, destroyers, I guess would be just escorts for the aircraft carriers i guess because you know uh because aircraft carriers are the supreme and i don't know you you kind of look at naval battles from world war ii and it's like wow america really got lucky against the japanese navy yeah some people say luck some people say other things but yeah what, what, what would be the other uh, thing? if they think depending on their theory about pearl harbor but yes. no no my no look, look at midway like that was partially luck and you know and that was a carrier battle but that was luck um you look at the the Guadalcanal campaign the u.s suffered defeat there and there's a pyrrhic victory by the japanese during that time in world war ii as well america's navy got lucky at times in world war ii and then you know there's also a lot of unlucky instances like the USS Indianapolis, which I believe was the ship that was carrying the nuclear bomb. But because it was doing that, it went radio silent on its way back or its way after it completed that mission. It went, it maintained radio silence and got bombed by the Japanese. And, and that's the that's story. Uh, G- story where the sharks are circling the, oh, the isn't, survivors. Isn't that also JFK's uh, one of his stories as well I I don't know about that connection but America yeah we part a lot of it came down to luck in World War II in the Pacific Theater uh and with that said uh we c- if we're already overextended around the world and then China's not overextended but have has a large presence in the Pacific that's gonna spell doom. Uh, they were, were going to be at a disadvantage. So I think Chris Christie's answer on that undersold it. And uh, now Yellow Moth says the U.S. was always going to beat the Japanese and, and the Japanese knew it. Uh, our production was much greater than theirs. I, that is to some degree true, but the Japanese, their war doctrine, I, I referenced the Japanese war doctrine earlier. So the Japanese did not believe in attacking merchant vessels. They didn't really do that a whole lot. America was all about attacking the merchant vessels, and so were the Germans in World War II as well. But the Japanese, they wanted to create a scenario that was going to be a decisive battle. And that's what they wanted with Midway. The problem is the Japanese overextended their forces in Midway because they were attacking the Alaskan, the Illusion Islands. They were invading the Illusion Islands during that time. So those reinforcements were too far away to reinforce Midway, and they suffered a disastrous defeat in at Midway. So and they're so they could potentially have won because like you know, Coral Sea, I believe, was a pretty bad loss for them, and then Midway. Um, but theoretically, their navy almost won. So I'm not sh- so Japan was gearing up for a short war. They didn't think America could withstand a long war, or had the stomach for a long war. But and they wanted to create and their war doctrine was about creating a, a decisive battle and winning that battle and believing that after they wanted the decisive battle that they set up, then they would uh, negotiate peace. And yeah, Yelmenov mentions that they we cracked their code and knew when and where Midway was going to happen, but again, not the easiest battle. Like you can crack their code, you know their playbook, but you still got to win the battle, and that was pretty hard at Midway, but it was done. Um, but yeah, I think submarines was actually a very good answer. Um, next subject I want to talk about is Tim Scott's girlfriend was was cited. So Tim Scott gave perhaps his best performance yet. And I know that that's a low bar Uh, schooling NBC on the fact that oil is a speculative market. That was the most intelligent. I think he sounded the entire uh, campaign. He managed not to sound as cringy as Mike Pence does when incorporating scripture. It comes across as pandering to evangelicals Uh, most memorable. However, was his girlfriend made an appearance after the debate. Okay. I didn't see that. Her name is Mindy. So, well, and she's white, and that, that's just the background. We're we gonna, right? we're gonna, that's s- not even like them actually. Uh, there's video, yeah, no, but he it in a funny. way where they <laughs> so they're, they're just, yeah, they're back in the background of the video. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, right. you, Scott still sounded pretty dumb. Uh you see the handhold, the they just don't want to. I like mean, maybe was her hands. being there, there might have been some he performed chemistry. marginally better than he did on prior nights. So, uh, Vivek versus Haley, I do believe I have a, a thing for this, but I mean, Tim Scott was just bad the entire night, except for maybe the oil market thing. But other than that, I mean, I that was still his best performance or his best moment. Am I wrong? Or am I like, uh, I, I, am I like that low on Tim Scott? okay I mean, you're so maybe, you're fishing for good things to say about him, so I understand. I, I'm trying to be positive because I did. I, I'm I'm trying to be positive about this. Okay, so Nikki Haley to Vivek, you're just scum.
0: Well, I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about
1: looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your else, voice. Adult The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters propping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the scum. easy answer is actually... Well, I, I... Uh, your thoughts on that exchange? I mean, I, I don't mind the low blow. I mean, obviously, like a lot of older people pro, and, you know, non-internet enthusiasts don't like that kind of retail politics. But at the end of the day, I mean, Vivek actually has a valid point. You're going to talk about TikTok bad, but, you know, you're going to, your daughter's on, I don't know how old the daughter is, but, you know. and uh, then, I actually thought that that low blow was fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I thought that was clean. I thought that was a, as a Christian, I thought that that was fair game. I mean, you don't have your own household in order. That's fair game to me. That's a fair critique. Not a popular critique. And that's why it was probably unwise for Vivek to have said that. Yeah, let someone else say that for you. Instead. I mean, the, the, the psychopathic business strategy is to not be the bearer of bad news. Like you got to find some shill on the internet that's gonna drop that one for you. All right, keep my wife's name out your mouth, Nikki Haley, except her daughter. But yes, her daughter is an adult, as uh, oh, something man. that's worth uh, pointing out. Um, but I thought that that was fine. I thought that that was clean uh, for her to say you're just scum. Whatever. I mean, that's uh, reflecting. What that the was entertainment, I guess. But that's what the crowd thought of Vivic though. So. I don't know. I mean, I, again, that wasn't even the best. I mean, I think DeSantis got the best slap on Haley, but obviously, you know, Vivek was working some inside jabs on her the entire night. I mean, there, there was a lot of that. They they don't like each other and it's not just, it, and it is, you know, beyond just the performance. Well, no, like they've think... been going at it since the first debate. So. it it is routine they are taking jabs at each other so all right so uh that exchange i thought was bad for vivek Uh, like so one thing that i've heard is that vivek never recovered from that moment like i don't think he really had a moment after that happened would you agree with that yes i mean my perception of vivek is that he's the guy that's going to just start lobbing grenades but it does have a blowback effect on himself and again i mean you know vivek is someone that knows how to talk dirty he knows how to say the right things and really rev rev up the base but at the end of the day he comes across as kind of a prostitute he knows how to talk dirty he knows how to get a rouse the uh senses but the you know it's not real or you don't think it's real i mean yeah. that's that's vivek as a candidate okay so let's talk about high heels um vivek i wear high heels they're not a, for a fashion statement they're for ammunition and what ammunition what is she loading her high heels into and to me it just says whore i mean that's to the me first just... thing that comes to my mind like oh you're dressed like that or you know type of reaction I mean, to me, it just says uh, you're playing the vagina card as a candidate. And that was just one of several moments. I mean, obviously, Vivek was lobbing grenades. So, but yeah, you basically have been playing the same card you've been playing this entire campaign. It's just out the fact that you're a woman, you're in heels, uh, what, five inch, not three inch heels? Like, didn't she even? They're bigger. Yeah, they're bigger than uh, what he was saying. I I didn't get that comment, and neither did the internet. So this is a – she tweeted that statement thinking it was a money line, and I don't know what Boomer thinks it's a money line, but it didn't play well on Twitter. Um, this tweet got heavily ratioed, 11 million views, so it's not like it didn't go viral. 11 million views, 6.9 – thousand likes 1500 response um absolute ratio
0: i I don't even know what this
1: so she got heavily ratioed for this did not go over well so did you you didn't understand the statement right i mean i I did anyone it it was obviously off the cuff and i i understand it's not the best it's not like it's gonna be a money shot because you weren't expecting the heels comment so you're kind of improving your response and just i don't know just say ammunition i'm owning it but i don't know if if it wasn't her playing i I mean if it was an actual candidate that you kind of liked and wasn't just playing the woman card you might be okay with it like if trump had said it's for ammunition. Then I don't think anyone would really think twice about it, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a make or break as far as like, I think this is actually a pretty good comment on it. Nikki Haley is like your embarrassing mom who thinks she's 25 when she's actually 58. I'll say she looks younger than that. She might actually be 58 years old, right? Yeah, she looks younger than that. So props to her. Something going for her. Oh, Here's what my wife said. Her, she was wearing the wrong color blush her her makeup i guess was not on fleek last night Uh, Uh, maybe it's because of the lights and you have to so uh, smash the like button if you're in the chat um appreciate it with the youtube algorithms on a competitive night like this Uh, because everyone wants to do live streams during our blog i'm just kidding but uh so with that said Uh, This tweet. So the Nikki Haley abortion stuff. I don't know why she does the best at making a pro-abortion argument to Republicans. Is there anyone better at that? I mean, I mean, she's basically just doing I'm not personally pro or I'm personally pro-life, but, you know. She's basically dealing with Democrats have always done. I'm personally pro-life, but, you know, I don't, I'm think we vote for we, I don't think we should really pursue this. So she's trying to take like a pragmatic just weasel around the, the Bush, I guess, kind of commentary. So, I mean, she did the exact same thing in the last debate. So nothing is necessarily new because they asked the abortion question then as well. Yeah, I mean, it's the exact same thing, but that was her biggest applause line. Yeah, I don't... I mean, maybe it's just who gets access to us, who's taking a seat at a NBC-ran debate that's funded by Rhonda McDaniel. Yeah, so I didn't think that... I don't know why that resonates with people. Because oh, I, I maybe guess it's we're not parsing what she's saying... Oh, I don't want to judge you for being pro life. Well, I do. Or, sorry, pro abortion. Like, if you support a, if you're pro choice, I don't, I won't judge you. Well, you won't, but I will. Because the Bible says, um, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And, And the Bible, you know, you will be judged for tolerating evil and calling evil good. But, you know, but, you know one. if she That's can't how it get, ends. if she can't like reach some kind of common ground, then how can she motivate a country to fight some more somewhere overseas? There's not going to be common ground on abortion. It's one of those issues that there is no common ground on. So she doesn't understand politics, apparently, despite operating in politics at a very high level or and this is probably the truth. She's just lying about it. She's lying to you. And Vivek called her out for that. And I thought he did, again, Vivek on Haley, I thought was good. Yeah, he was good at lobbing some grenades. It's just, you know, that's what he's there for the show. And sometimes you want someone else to be the bearer of bad news. And that's um, why it helps out DeSantis. It it helps out DeSantis the most, I think. Yeah. Um, now, DeSantis and Haley did sh- trade barbs. We are going to talk about those exchanges. Uh, Anything else you wanted to say about Haley's performance? I mean, obviously she, she took punches. I I don't so know. She, and she didn't come out untouched unscathed. I mean, so obviously the crowd, I, didn't. I was trying to look for the Ben Shapiro's tweet. That was going to tell us that Nikki Haley did good because that was apparently true last time. But, but the, Nikki, Haley Matt Haley Walsh was going hard on her. So I mean, Nick Haley, Nikki Haley's done well in that she's solidified the rhino camp quite yet. Yeah yeah i think that's true like in that respect she's done well but that's also just because christy is a slob and tim scott is pretty stupid so tim scott's not going to get the rhino vote yeah but in the bible that much i mean he just comes across as very unintelligent so he can't necessarily try oh like he isn't he doesn't have the aptitude to succeed when you're arguing about drapes and curtains and no, because he has his girlfriend that's going to decide that for him. Hey, him finding a girlfriend in between debates did help out his performance. And she's white. <laughs> Why am I, like, not surprised by that? I don't know. So, are you serious? Uh, Sam Reza says, Ben Shapiro called Nikki Haley his spirit animal. Is that are recent you? or is that, like, years ago? And That is so gay because again Nikki Haley was not a good governor of South Carolina and then she took the easiest job in the Trump administration he's saying that because of how pro-Israel she is let's just be let's just be real uh, so uh, I, I thought she did the worst in the debate I don't think anyone really did that bad and that's judging who they're running for um, like their base Um, are they going to grow or decrease. I don't think Nikki Haley is that formidable of a candidate because she has no accomplishments. So, those are just my thoughts. So, let's talk Let's talk about the the land in China barb because let's talk about the Nikki Haley Ron DeSantis. So, this is the exchange on the China
0: thing. We have to have the ability to back up a strategy of denial of President Xi's ambitions, and if China is able to be the world's leading superpower, that will affect you and your family in ways that are going to be very bad. They will export authoritarianism all around the world as the cost of doing business. They will impose things like social credit scores and Internet monitoring. So this is To this generation what the Soviet Union was to the post-World War II generation. I've already released a plan, we're going to get to 355 ships at the end of the first term, 385 ships at the end of the second term, but we're going to have a path to 600 ships over the next 20 years. I think the future of freedom is gonna be determined in the Indo-Pacific. We have a strategy, not with not just military, but decoupling from the economy and fighting them here at home with their cultural. You know, Ambassador Haley said somehow I wasn't doing. She welcomed them into South Carolina, gave them land near a military base, wrote the Chinese ambassador a love letter saying what a great friend they were. That was like their number one way to to do economic development. In Florida, I banned China from buying land in this state, and we kicked out so on our stopped. universities, and we kicked the Confucius Institutes out of our universities. We've recognized the threat, and we've acted swiftly and decisively.
1: So that was Nick, uh, Ron DeSantis attacking Nikki Haley. There is a part you, to that. That. Was, that was the best part because that first like thirty seconds was not a good answer. you're like, honestly, talking about how the Chinese are exporting to. Uh, authoritarianism to the rest of the world like really we don't have big tech censorship and cancel culture over here like we we're not implementing our own credit system over here just rebranded so and and then everything after we're going to get to 385 ships and then 600 600 ships over 20 years everything after that was very well done and him just absolutely pimp slapping Nikki Haley with and her salty face like she would love to see that. She was sour immediately at the shot that was fired. Uh, yes. Uh, I want to see, I'm, I'm going to try to find the follow up clip to that. And that's, that's what Ron DeSantis needs to deliver. When you talk about DeSantis, not delivering the show and, you know, connecting with politicians on like that little, that just want a little bit more sizzle. And that was a good moment there. Cause he just absolutely delivers it. Right, Uh, so we got, I'm trying to find more of that other clip. Okay, this is the clip I found that I wanted to show. It was actually the clip that I thought I was showing, but nonetheless, it is quieter than the last clip, and I apologize for that
0: company 10 years ago to South Carolina, but Ron, you are the chair of your economic development agency that as of last week said Florida is the ideal place for Chinese businesses. Not only that, you have a company that is manufacturer of Chinese military planes. You have it. They are expanding two training sites at two of your airports now, one which is 12 miles away from a naval. Base, then you have another company that's expanding, and they were just invaded by the Department of Homeland Security. So mine was 10 years ago, you gave yours them was stuff. six months I didn't ago. Give them What's your story? And I abolished that agency that she's talking about. No, Enterprise he, Florida, we abolished it, and of course, we banned China from buying the land. Not exactly week. a Go great check. recruiting pitch I if want you're up. banning them from purchasing land. The land the
1: so I thought. Mc- I'm sorry that the audio wasn't good, but that was the exchange where Nikki Haley goes after Ron DeSantis's government agency that said this was the number one place for China that China wanted to open up business. Uh, Ron DeSantis says, I abolished that agency. Um, and let me just break that first part down. So, the idea that this is the number one place that China would want to open up doesn't mean that they're necessarily inviting China there. I mean, the number one place you would want to nuke would be a nation's capital, right? So I don't quite get, like, she's making a logical leap that is assumed. Uh, there's an intention that's assumed in what she was saying. And then she tries to say that you scrubbed a website last week as though a now defunct agency would, all this, would have its website, def, you know, wiped immediately, i I think that's a logical assumption on I mean, how I, government works. it's not realistic I mean part I don't I mean if you live outside of Florida, I think a lot of this might just be confusing because I don't know anything about this agency. I don't know anything about anything that she's talking about. so it does seem very weird and it, then for DeSantis and, may I abolish that agency kind of just ends it in most people's minds. yes. And again, how many people are actually going to dig deeper and, and determine whether DeSantis is lying or tr- telling the truth or what the timeline of events even is? I don't know. I, I didn't have time to do that today. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've seen the fact checks come in from these debates and Nikki Haley was called out for lying in the last debate about her ties with China, which I believe Vivek referenced in, in, last, in last night's debate. So... I mean, it didn't. I don't think that went well for her. That exchange, um, Ron DeSantis attacked Nikki Haley. She responded and fell flat. And it, it, it was a, it was a knockout. Um, you know, you score that round 10 8 DeSantis. If this were boxing, uh, anything, uh, and just to kind of catch up on some chat, uh, China doesn't export uh, their ideology on the world stage. They could care less what you do in your country, they just want money from you. Uh, basically yeah. the comparison is China is Mr. Krabs country that cares about money and just about nothing else. Are, are you sure you're not confusing that with a different country? Um, I don't I I do see China as radical materialist. I mean, there is a mercantilist aspect to it. But they're willing to essentially come bearing gifts in return for access to materials like mines and resources. So there is, I mean, they're traditional old school mercantilism. We would be better if our foreign policy was like China's. Uh, No doubt. Um, No doubt. Instead of neocons. I mean, they want to regime building. They want to build things for African nations. All we want to do is drug them. Yeah, apparently if Mr. Beast can just you know, build a hundred wells that apparently they can't do themselves. Um, he makes it look easy. So I'm going to bookmark this and play the audio from my phone. Cause that is just, that is too quiet. Um, so let me pull that up.
0: to the environment you were you all liberal when it comes to the environment you were you always have been just own it well, if that's the case but don't keep saying you're something that you're not let me respond to that um, response so uh our whole energy plan you can't get the shale without fracking we are absolutely gonna frack but i disagree with nikki haley i don't think it's a good idea to drill in the florida everglades and i know most floridians agree with me you ban right. fracking thank you very much
1: Lester. So, your thoughts on that exchange? Nikki Haley tried to go after Ron DeSantis for being liberal on energy. I mean, DeSantis and, is actually good on the environment without necessarily being a sellout to corporate interest. I mean, he took on or big, environmentalist he, interest. He took on Big Cane in Florida. He obviously, you know, you're trying to talk about the ever like fracking in the Everglades in Florida, in DeSantis's hometown. This isn't Pennsylvania or Ohio where that talking point might work a lot better. This is Florida. You're in his home court. And yeah. In the article I wrote, she tried to pull this off in Florida. And basically the meme that was, that emerged from this moment was frack them glades. Uh, Because she's really attacking Ron DeSantis for not fracking in the Florida Everglades. I, that was a moronic attack line by Nikki Haley because she did not understand the issue because she doesn't understand um, well, what life is like outside of the DC bubble is, is kind of my surprise. Her doing the chamber of commerce talking point. While at the same time, she wants to do the, I'm the fiscal conservative. That's going to balance the budget. Like how, shtick. how many people associate Florida with, you know, natural gas resources. Like zero people. Yeah, right. I mean, you think you, you think Florida oil, you think Florida like Gulf Coast. Or, Gulf. Yeah. And you're talking about drilling into a swamp. I'm under the impression that that is not the most economically viable place to start fracking anyway. Yeah, what about those hurricanes that come in? And so Probably there's a, a lot idea. that could go wrong in that area. I think Ron DeSantis has the high ground there, and electorally speaking. That was like that. No, well. That is a a, a self inflicted gun wound to Nikki Haley's electoral prospects because they're, if she is the nominee in a hypothetical world, they're going to say she wants to frack the Everglades, and basically get you know. That's not. That's going to kill her with younger people. Yeah, just have a gate an alligator stuck in tar. Like, like, the, like a, a, the water, the swamp on fire and the, the manatee, the manatee. Uh, yeah something the sea like, lion, like. It, It's not going to go over well. Like you can't, but DeSantis, as far as Republicans are concerned without, you know, he doesn't bend over to the climate change agenda from what I can say, tell, and he actually triangulates on the environment very well because he makes it a local issue and that's what we should be doing. So I, I think, You know, environmental conservation is good, but environmentalism is sinful. And that's because environmentalism gets the entire creation order backwards because creation was for mankind, not mankind for creation. Like we're to steward it. We're to have dominion over creation. We are not to exist for creation. Creation is to exist for us. So, you know that that's you're going against creation. So, and uh, same Reza points out Um, American oil in general is not profitable to drill unless the price, unless oil prices are high and we actually aren't, we aren't actually energy independent or aren't actually energy dependent. We're only in the area in a sense, if we, okay. So basically what you're saying is if it's economically, viable we yes are i mean america ha- america has a higher cost per barrel for production than probably most of the world and i don't know why uh, again fracking sh- shale and stuff like that is more expensive to frack than like the saudis who can pretty much outproduce and do it at the lowest possible cost because like, i think they're like but hundreds- fracking is better technology in the long run yeah. so I mean, if you can produce oil under $10 a barrel and sell it for $80 a barrel, you're clearing some cash. It, it's not what... it, It's not like he's the governor of Wyoming who's investing in wind energy and now they're paying like over 30% more or, electric rates in or Wyoming. Ha- or Hawaii. Which is more not, or less an oil state. Or Hawaii well. not getting those uh, power lines fixed. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was... Like Wiley Coyote just you know running into a wall there, like that was such a bad attack by Nikki Haley. But that's the chamber of commerce coming out, yeah. It doesn't look good, it doesn't play well on TV. That's why nobody likes those people. Yet, there's so many Republicans that vote for that. I don't get it. They're every stereotype that the Democrats ran on, like the Democrats think that, um. The republicans are the party of the rich that's not true because the democrats have a funding advantage in most elections most competitive elections for sure well and another issue where you saw it is um, is the social security issue where they were asked the question about the, the solvency of a program that's tied to a 30 trillion dollar bag but yeah do you want to raise the retirement age and christy and haley were both basically saying yes to raising the retirement age, that's gonna turn out some young voters for you. Hey, you gotta work more to pay off uh, the boomers retirement fund. Yeah, I thought DeSantis so. pointing out that the life expectancy is decreasing is not as a reason to not raise the age of social security was a good answer. And Trump's been attacking him from the left on the issue of social security and entitlements, which again, I'm in my twenties. I don't care about social security. I don't wanna pay social security. I don't want to receive social security when I'm old. I don't want to pay into it when I'm young. So that's kind of my mentality. Like I'd much rather have that in that, that money right now and I can steward the money myself um, and not be irresponsible with it. That's Those are my thoughts. Yeah. That I could do better with that money than the government can and get a higher return than what social security would give me. And then the fact that, you know, it is good that they point out that rich people shouldn't get Social Security checks, but they also shouldn't be paying into it either. And I know that they're capped at 114000 I want to say, is the threshold. Like, you get Social Security tax on the first $114,000 that you make. It might change, but, but yeah. So and I think the I think a lot of Social Security is tied into how much you pay into it, but I, I'm not entirely sure how it works because I'm not old. So uh, we do have two polls, not just one, but two polls that came out on the debate. And according to the 538 Washington Post-Ipsos poll, uh, who do you think performed the best? Haley got 34%. DeSantis got 23%. Ramaswamy got 14%. And Chris Christie got 8%. So clearly uh, Tim Scott left in the dust there. No one thought he did the best, I guess. I don't know if the, what those numbers add up to, but not quite 100%. Uh, performed the worst. Rama Ramaswamy, 29%. Chris Christie, 24%. So Tim Scott, nowhere to be found on best or worst. Just absolutely forgettable. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, your, your thoughts just, on this poll? I don't know. I feel like it's propaganda. I really hope this poll is wrong. I don't dudes. see how you come away thinking Nikki Haley did the best. I thought she was the only candidate that did particularly bad. So I'm guessing that's either propaganda or Nikki Haley, you know, basically got a bot army to, to do it. No, it's a Washington post push poll. So I, I don't get it. Considering voting for pre versus after the debate, um, Nikki Haley got plus eight. DeSantis got plus two. So Nikki Haley went from 45% considering her to 53% considering her. DeSantis went from 54% to 56%. I I think that number is low for DeSantis. Ramaswamy went from 27 to 27. No yeah, change. like what percent of people that are actually watching that debate would not consider Ron DeSantis? Consider not even like his number one. Like, is would a Ramaswamy supporter not vote DeSantis under any circumstance? Would a Tim Scott's voter be that averse to, uh, yeah, DeSantis? who in that room is not winnable for DeSantis? The ultra liberals? Well, yeah, that would be the Haley. Supporters. Is this literally just the 50 the percent, are the 56 percent and the uh, 53 percent? Is that literally just the six percent overlap? Between Desantis and Haley supporters, I um, mean, again, it goes back to the fact that twenty percent of Republicans are pretty much the people that we that are backstabbers and and Nikki Haley types. Uh, Tim Scott increased his consideration by two points from twenty five to twenty seven percent. Chris Christie increased his um, consideration percentage from nineteen to twenty five percent. So he's in last place according to that. Uh favorability ratings. Nikki Haley's favorability is now tied according to this poll with Ron DeSantis's favorability. Yeah, I don't 65%. understand 65%. I don't understand who likes Ron DeSantis that would like Nikki Haley. That that voter's out there. I have see it on social media all the time. There's a lot of liberal DeSantis supporters but at the same time Nikki Haley's not likable. I don't get it. And I don't understand how Chris Christie is the most seemingly one of the more improved candidates on this stage. Yeah, how does Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh Scott, favorability increase from 46% to 57%. I do you buy seller? Do you buy or sell that? I mean, I would sell this you buy entire, that. I sell this entire poll. I don't think his favorability increased 11% or based on that performance that he gave at all. Now it increased a little bit because he, I, we finally saw his girlfriend, but I don't think, you know, he's not a serious Senator. Ramaswamy increases favorability. One, one point from 43% to 44%. Now I think that's the most accurate number. I mean, so everyone improved. Apparently. Yeah. Everyone's a winner. Chris Christie went up 15 points from 28% favorability to 43% favorability. What? I don't No Way. No way. Uh, I don't buy that for a second. Uh, Any more thoughts before we jettison this poll? Yeah, I mean these are the bad polls, which this is the same poll we used for the last two debates. But I don't know what reality this poll is in, what sample that they're what what is the population that they're sampling, because this population is not the Republican electorate that voted seventy percent disestablishment in twenty sixteen. Seventy percent of the Republican electorate in twenty sixteen voted for an anti establishment candidate. I mean, unless like the only issue that this uh, sample cares about is the foreign policy stuff and they like their warmongering and they want someone that's going to be super tight with BB. I mean, 20 minutes were spent on Israel. Yeah, I mean, if that's what a waste of time, if that is the sample and that's their number one issue, maybe that's the explanation because a lot of the candidates were kind of speaking very similarly to each other at that point. Okay, so we have a Daily Mail poll. So Daily Mail poll, rev- um, here we go. Which word best sums up the performance of each candidate? Funniest. Vivek Ramaswamy wins that with 19%. So that's a plurality, but better than... I guess he wins because a lot of people say they don't know because that's under one in five, technically speaking. And there are five people on the stage. Uh, Most persuasive. Vivek won that with 28%. Most presidential. Ron DeSantis wins that with 30. Strongest. Ron DeSantis again with 32%. Most charming is DeSantis at 24%. Most well-spoken is Vivek Ramaswamy at 28%. He is a very well-spoken person. I'm not sure I'd say that would be reflective of his performance last night. I mean, you're getting funniest and uh, most well-spoken. Most competent, Ron DeSantis at 33%. That's one in three. And most boring. Chris Christie, 25%. I kind of would have given that to Tim Scott, actually. Yeah. I mean, again, we already talked about Chris Christie and submarines. I thought that was at the one time I've actually considered uh, him to make a compelling point, and he undersold the point. Uh, most annoying, uh, Chris Christie at 27%. Most. I mean, I would have thought Vivek would have gotten that, but that just shows you how unfavorable uh, Chris Christie is. Most aggressive, 25% for uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. That's low. That is low. Um, Weakest, 29% for Chris Christie. Most untrustworthy 28 percent for Chris Christie. I think Nikki Haley should get that one, in my opinion. I can because understand. I can Chris understand Christie. Why. You understand what he's going to do. You understand that Chris Christie is going to screw you. But Tim Scott should get weak. He's not gonna pretend otherwise. Uh Nikki Haley says I'm the conservative, I'm pro-life, and then she's gonna screw you. Like uh most smarmy. Uh, Vivek at 17% and that percent, he wins with 17%, which is less than one in five, because most people don't know that word. Any, uh, dispute of that one, that claim that most people don't know what the word smarmy means? No, that's how math works. Unless there's like eight candidates in this poll. There's only five though. Yeah. So if anything is below one in five, you know, it's people don't understand what the word means. Um, Or how to use it in this context. Most pompous. uh, Chris Christie at 30%. And that's a male characteristic. I would imagine. So Nikki Haley doesn't win that. even. Uh, Most patronizing. As Chris Christie at 21%. Barely above 1 in 5. Strongest on Israel. Ron DeSantis at 24%. So let's talk about the Israel thing for a second. Ron DeSantis, his weakness electorally is with the boomers, the boomer cons. So I think that's why Ron DeSantis plays up the Israel thing. Because he wants to win the boomers. He wants to close the deal with the boomers who love themselves some Israel. Yeah, I mean, getting the Republican Party off of that, I guess. uh, That's an uphill battle. Dumping that girlfriend is harder than... Like Tiger Woods, uh, like we'd have to go to Tiger Woods, hey, how do you dump this girl? Because it's harder than what he has to deal with. If she won't move out, like how do you, how do you dump this issue? Aside from just waiting out the generational change, because the Gen C conservatives are not going to care nearly as much. And obviously if you're, and obviously the Democrats are creating their own golem, so to speak. On the issue which is kind of hilarious but but the yeah the older generations are gung-ho and this and yeah i mean and but desantis is a little bit above and beyond when it comes to the israel question Oh, be, what do you mean by that i he mean is- you go to israel to sign legislation obviously pl- praying at the wall which is you know second commandment violation which he touched on this morning and is the reform right but i think he did it unwittingly and so does donald well, trump and even mike pence this, i mean he's, he's catholics he's catholic so he can do the whole we pray to relics thing <laughs> i guess but, right. uh so we got another uh, thing to show you and this is from again the same daily mail poll which i think is a better poll not just because it agrees with my assessment of the debate but uh, candidate debate performances now i think these grades are low across the board but it has the as the winner according to this poll so this is based on a one to ten scale I don't think DeSantis did a D plus. I don't think he gave a D plus performance. I don't. Um,
0: yeah. He should be at least like, I'm not minute.
1: sure again, only Nikki Haley gave that low of a performance in my opinion. Cause again, I thought when Vivek Ramaswamy mentioned Nikki Haley's daughter, that was fine. If it's okay to bring up Hunter Biden, it's certainly okay to bring that up. My opinion. We've already made the, Children, the adult children of politicians fair game in our country. I don't see the. um Yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize that it was an adult child when he brought it up. Not that it would change my opinion. I mean, it's, but I mean, uh it does seem a little low ball for, especially the, at least the top three. I mean, Tim Scott being 50, uh, 55 or five. I mean, 5 I, th- is, I think these grades skew low. But it's better than nothing, right? Um, I I think this is a better metric than who won the debate. You get a bunch of people to grade it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, DeSantis pulling half a percent or half a grade or half a letter grade higher. Yeah. Is, I think, significant in that because the range is 6.6 to 4.8. So he is a good chunk of that range in the lead. So let me see if I can find. Okay, so this is uh, a little bit closer. So Ron DeSantis, uh, this is from Adam Laxalt. Adam, uh, he tweeted out Ron DeSantis dominates in the Daily Mail poll for the third Republican presidential debate, proving his strong leadership and vision for America. Uh, he said DeSantis versus Haley, who had the better debate? Uh, 56% said DeSantis. 35% said Nikki Haley. 9%, I don't know. So they did a binary. And just so you ballpark. know, Adam Laxalt was a Senate candidate in the 2022 cycle. That was actually endorsed by Trump and DeSantis. Just in what state? Nevada. Okay. So just so... For context, he is a political. He's a um Who is best to go against Donald Trump? Fifty-three percent said DeSantis. Twenty-nine percent said Nikki Haley. Eighteen percent said I don't know. And uh, that is interesting that they asked head-to-head questions on Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis because I think that those are the only two serious candidates in that that were on that debate stage. The poll also found, according to the article, that DeSantis beat Haley when viewers were asked to view the debate as a head to head contest. So it's interesting that they went for that in the poll. Because what Washington Post did was probably a cheap push poll, but they were serious. So I, I thought that that was interesting. You, so, uh, Anyway, that covers um, the polling of the debate. I think the polling was less useful after this debate than it was for the previous debates. And I'm not big on polling in the cycle at all. I I think most of it is really bad polling. If if your poll says that, you know, Joe Biden is pulling 42% in a swing state, not happening. Fake poll. Throw it in the trash. Um. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how Trump is going to win either like a Michigan or a Pennsylvania. Again, very difficult states, very bad Republican parties. And Michigan's just bad because the machine is awful. And Pennsylvania is very fractured because you got basically mm-hmm. New York on the wet or New York. But yeah, Philadelphia, which is basically like rhino country, New York you know, Atlantic coast rhinos, you have Pittsburgh and then you have like Alabama in the middle as, as they like to call it. So very fractured in Pennsylvania versus Michigan is just a bad machine. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think as far as the 2024 goes, I have yet to see a convincing pathway for Trump to win. And get 270 votes. Electoral college votes. I have yet to see a convincing pathway. Because it would require. Pennsylvania, Michigan, or Wisconsin. Uh, and we've we done. And Arizona. And I'm not sh- sure he can do the all those. Or any of those. Because Arizona is moving to the left somewhat. And it wasn't the strongest conservative bastion. And. It has a very fractured Republican party that needs a candidate that can unite the McCains and the Kelly Ward sides of the party. No, the other thing going against them in Arizona is uh, Carrie Lake potentially being on the ticket. No, Carrie Lake's running for Senate. Yeah, I know, but, but down ballot. She could be an anchor on the down ballot, though. Yeah, imagine if you're a McCain Republican, you should be voting for Republican. You should be submitting... Bending the knee to the conservatives in the Republican party and holding your nose to save America. That's the position I want them in. But how, why are they going to show up when it's Donald Trump and Carrie Lake on the ticket? They're not going to show up for that. My thoughts... So I, I don't think that's a winning combo in Arizona. I, I don't want Carrie Lake to win. Cause I don't, there is no shine on that car. If you know what I'm saying. And she has a transmission issue. If you know what I'm saying, if you catch my drift, because she is extremely licentious. She's a social liberal who pretended to be socially conservative, but she's all about the drag Queens and stuff like that. And, Hanging out of drag bars. That's Carrie Lake. So she's a fraud, my opinion. Yeah, I mean, so that's so you have potential hurdles. And again, I mean, I do think DeSantis puts Virginia back in play and Nevada in play. Yeah, Nevada's more in play though so maybe the machine there is going to get its act together. Who knows? No, because the Harry Reid machine is falling apart in Nevada. If anything, the momentum shifting in the Republicans' favor in, in Nevada. I mean, they have a Senate race as well. So, but what's interesting about the Senate race in Arizona is it's going to be a three-way race. So Republicans should clean that up. But we need to overperform to win the presidential election in Arizona as well. So even if Carrie Lake is on the ticket, I still think she wins. Although she's alienated a lot of people. So she, I think her brand has taken massive hit from losing the election and losing ugly. And I don't think people are going to vote, as many people are going to vote for her this time around. So she's a terrible candidate in my mind. In everything, in every respect except name ID. So, uh, Sam Raza says Trump is doing better in swing states because Joe Biden is act- actively collapsing in the poll. And I don't think that's really true at all. I think these polls are kind of fake. Well, I mean, I because think... they're showing Biden with a two, they're showing Biden below 44%. I, I don't consider that real. I mean, I think they'll show for Biden regardless. Now, one thing that's not being factored into the polls is a RFK third-party candidate. But we don't know how we don't know how serious it's going to be. We don't know, don't know how potent that is right now. I don't think that's going to help Trump because the Democrats are a hive mind; they vote in lockstep. And that's why the poll, those polls, can't be trusted. They will come out and vote for the abortion candidate. They'll vote in machines. You know, they'll ballot harvest. They'll do what they have to do. And Trump is against ballot harvesting. I mean... He's got the votes, is what he said at a rally recently. I mean, unless there's a major, like, you know, I guess not turnout of certain voters in inner cities that doesn't get replaced in the middle of the night, then the Democrats will have their people show up on election day, or before election day, or after election day. So Sebastian asked, no one's going to vote for RFK on the left, right? The Democrats are not going to defect for RFK. That's pretty evident in this current in the Democrat primary. That's why he dropped out and is running as an independent. Because they're not defecting for him. They're not going to defect on Biden for RFK. They're not doing that. They're going to pretend like he doesn't exist. Which is what these polls are doing, actually. So... At least the ones that don't include him. Now, the ones that do, uh, and I, I, I don't know how much we can gauge from that. I and mean, the general election isn't gonna be like the polls for the general election don't matter as much right now. Because but I'm not sure the primary polls can be trusted either. I mean I mean Joe Biden's a generic Democrat for all. Because he's a vegetable. And yes, he's going to be their guy. They're not going to jettison Look, I mean, Joe Biden. He has a hood pass. I mean, let's just be honest. He can't run course. Pete Buttigieg. He has no hood pass. Gavin Newsom, that ain't going to fly. Or hes They're not going to let him do that.
0: We're oh, gonna go honest. back to
1: John Kerry or Andrew Cuomo first, but I mean, they have hood passes. Fetterman still won in Pennsylvania. Exactly, they will vote for a vegetable. So uh, his servant says, um, "There are some stupid conservatives that think RFK is great. All they know about him is he hates jabs. It is disturbing, and I think it's a blind spot more so than it is stupidity."
0: I mean, Um, I I like RFK, but I'm not going
1: to lie to myself about him. He's pro-gun control. He's pro-abortion. That's that's a negative. I mean, he does – and RFK panders to blacks a lot. I mean, it's in his book. I mean, obviously, he had no problem calling conservatives racist for not wanting immigration. But he doesn't want it because he's more compassionate, so he kind of does that that big Eva mentality, where it's not about the demographics and the, you know, the crime and the degeneracy coming across the border. It's about, he doesn't want people being unsafe in traversing Mexico. So yeah, it's, he's not good on the border either. Well, and, he, he, might be, but
0: he and, has no uh, problems
1: taking shots at the Republican. Radical environmentalists as well is also being brought up in the chat. I don't know. I'm willing to hear out some of his stuff. I'm not. <laughs> well, when it comes to chemicals, things like that, yeah, I'm willing to...
0: Okay, anything... you meant like, that
1: some. Yeah, like but... the big big ag and things like that. I'm but the climate to... change stuff, no. no. Not, not into that. Uh, But, yeah, so the other thing that has to be pointed out is I don't think Trump's likability has increased since 2020. So... Those are my thoughts. He's but not no, more he likable jail, now. If he goes to jail, he'll get a hood pass. No, he won't. I like that. Yeah, he's going to get 50% of the black vote if he gets convicted. I've actually a seen a poll that says that, though. Or <laughs> heard about a poll. I'm just like, come on. They're lying to you. I mean, they're just making up numbers. There's no way 50% of the black vote is going to go for Trump if he becomes a convicted felon. Like, this is nuts. That That's a joke. Not even, it's a funny joke. I will admit that it is a funny joke, but no way. Uh, But so along those lines, I don't think uh, if the polls are true that Biden is struggling in swing states, why aren't the rest of the Democrats struggling in swing states? Why did the Republicans get trounced in? In uh, Pennsylvania, this Tuesday, that's a swing state. They got trounced by six points. Why did? Is it because the MAGA voters unreliable? And if the MAGA voters unreliable, then why are we banking on them showing up on game day in twenty twenty four? I don't think the MAGA voters are unreliable. I think the party. The unique. Is okay, how about the, the party is unreliable. But people still vote for the party, though. Is the party unreliable when you're voting for a ballot initiative? Like, that's not a Republican versus Democrat. That is, do you show up on game day? Yeah. That's all that election. That's all Ohio came down to was, are the, who's showing up on game day? And the, the MAGA vote did not show up on game day. They are 10 points behind. But again, is that the people that are, you know, blackpilled on the election? They don't think the system works, so they're abstaining from the system. And who's in, who's encouraging that behavior? That'd be Donald Trump. He's encouraging people to be blackpilled on elections. And if that turn if that's dissuading voters, then we cannot be chasing the same voters that he's dissuading. We need to find voters that are persuadable. Which would be the independents, perhaps, or the suburban women? What's the coalition that actually shows up on game day? That's the vote that Republicans need to win. Those are the votes we cannot alienate. So, thirty percent of Republicans are pro-abortion. I mean, Man I would might have... think it's closer to twenty, but there is a sizable percent. That would probably admit they're pro. But it's the same okay. sizable percent that would throw you into a jail cell for not taking a vaccine. So so let let's uh send some questions in as we're gonna start wrapping up the stream. I, I do want to talk um a little bit like I think let, let's talk about the race as it is right now in the primary. Because we're speculating about the general, but let's there's a lot that's happening in the primary. Um governor Kevin Stitt has in endorsed Ron DeSantis. And then that was followed by Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa. So the governor state is Oklahoma. Uh, that's a super Tuesday state, I believe. And then governor Reynolds is Iowa. That's first in the nation caucus. I think that's a major, those are really good endorsements to have on the Trump side. He has the endorsements of McMasters in South Carolina, Christy Nome in South Dakota, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders just endorsed him in Arkansas. Am I missing any governors? Um, I'm sure you are, but obviously jim uh, Justice maybe? I mean, it's not material right now, as far as, I mean, Huckabee Sanders being popular and obviously a former Trump White House employee. So that's not surprising at all. Yeah. Do you think uh, the McMaster's endorsement significant in South Carolina? I mean, South Carolina is is third.
0: It is third. third state. Their,
1: that's why. That's the only thing that's significant about South Carolina is that they bat third in the order. So I don't think. I mean, I, mean, I think Trump wins that without that endorsement. Yeah, He won it pretty handily in twenty sixteen. I mean, the most. Important thing for DeSantis to do is he has to win New Hampshire and Iowa. Otherwise, it is game over. I he mean, has I has to do both. No, I, I don't think it's game over at all. Just because this primary could end really quickly, or it could be dragged out. Into, yeah, but you got to knock out the first two. If, if Trump is convicted of a felony, that's kind of game over there. Well, not if he, not that's if DeSantis a, can't get a single delegate out of. He needs to win the first two. To actually show that he's serious. He can't just do Iowa, lose New Hampshire. Then he will lose South Carolina. So now you're on a losing streak going into Super Tuesday. Uh, I believe Nevada's fourth, correct? Yeah. But, I mean, if you start try- – again, if you're on a two-game losing streak for Nevada, that's that's a problem. Okay. But let's say between South Carolina and Super Tuesday, Trump is convicted of a felony. Yeah, that could vary well. I mean, again, he has New DeSantis York. has won Iowa but lost New Hampshire and is on the two-state losing streak. And I, I think DeSantis could win Nevada, but I'm not – Nevada is a caucus state, but it's also an incompetently run caucus state. I mean, if the Alex Laxaw uh, tweet is anything, maybe that's – He'll get some for of that. Yeah, maybe he'll get some help there. So DeS- DeSantis is a very impressive ground game in Iowa. Uh, and I think if Trump is convicted, that devastate, that's a death blow to his campaign. I think, I mean, keep in mind, it's not the people on the internet that would be intimidated. It's that it's the boom, the normies. Like yes, I it's... talk to these people, they are so pro Trump, but they know that they know they're going to have to find a new candidate if he's convicted because he won't be on the ballot. It's simple as that. If he's not going to be on the ballot, even if it drags out to the convention, and he has the most delegates. The delegates are going to switch sides because they're not going to run a – the Republican Party is not going to run someone who's can't get on the ballot in several states. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people would be skittish. Again, we're talking about the weaker hands, not the, not the we're strongest. We're not talking about the diehards. We're talking about the normie boomer cons that think that – fel- that just want to win. Like I I know these people. So I I know these types of people. And they've done polling that suggests that the poll that if Trump is convicted of a felony, they're going he's going to lose support. Now, could he still win a primary race in a state after he gets convicted of a felony? Yes. But does he take a double digit hit in the polls for that? Yes. So both could be true. He could have 45%. That's the arbitrary number because he's 45. He, he he drops down to 35% if he's convicted of a felony. I think that's a conservative estimate. Someone could surpass that and win and make it a very competitive primary moving forward. But he has what, New York in December as far as? Uh, I know he has one of these trial like he's in court right now, but that's a civil suit, right? Yeah, that doesn't. But I believe the, the felony cases start going in January. That's what I thought. And then Super now, Tuesdays Now, I'm not later. tied is, to this because court days generally get pushed back. Well, but the Tuesday, the March one is the D.C. case, which is a guaranteed conviction. Guaranteed conviction in D.C. Guaranteed conviction, I think, in New York. I think Trump gets off in Florida. And I think Trump... Uh, I don't like Trump's chances in Georgia right now because they're trying it as a Rico. They're getting people to flip. Now, how useful can that be? I don't know. So, uh, Sebastian says Nevada has some base Republicans, but Vegas is awful. Hobos everywhere. Cops don't do anything. I I've never been to Las Vegas, but, uh, yeah, was it Clark's County is like is their hub, uh, but Republicans can win that or can make that competitive enough. You saw that with Lombardo, or that's the uh, governor, right? Yeah. Lombardo, um, Adam Laxalt just couldn't do it enough, but maybe he should try again. I don't know. No, um, I mean but I think I not. think DeSantis could win Nevada because he plays well in suburbans, suburban areas. I don't. Trump says that he won Nevada. Yeah, you know, two times already. Uh, I don't think, I don't think this, this is not the same Trump. It just isn't. Uh, he's having Joe Biden moments on a daily basis now. Uh, and then here's a question. Will the Trump voters even vote for anyone other than Trump? The Trump supporters think anyone other than Trump is a, is part of the system. That's true on the internet. I mean, that is true on the internet. A, a lot of people might run their mouth until uh, and unless, until the ballot is DeSantis v. Biden. Then I, okay, DeSantis. so actually let's flip this back. 2016, how many never Trumpers on social media voted for Trump on game day? I, I saw those posts actually. The Supreme Court is too important. Gotta do it. I know I was never Trump, but the Supreme Court's too important. Gotta do it. You don't think you don't think that these same arguments will happen the other way? Um, I I think DeSantis could unify. I don't think Nikki Haley does. I won't vote for Nikki Haley. I, I can tell you that. I, if Trump's on the ballot, he might piss me off enough to not vote for him. But as of right now, I, I guess I'm a tentative voting for Trump. Uh. But I don't. You know, there's certain candidates I can and can't vote for, like Tim Scott, sure, because whatever, but he's not a serious candidate. Nikki Haley's a no for obvious reasons. I won't vote. And then Trump is definitely threatening. Uh, You know, the more he wants to go pro-abortion and not know what a gender is, I think that threatens whether I want to even bother um, but I live in Maryland, so my vote's not consequential to the Electoral College. So, uh, you got any thoughts on that? On that question, uh, on the never or the only Trump vote? You think that show? You think that that's just uh, internet fluff? I mean, or? yeah, kind of what you just said about that. It's all never Trump until you find a reason to hold your breath and you know, then vote, take a shower. So, I mean. Especially if those people live in swing states, then they're going to find a reason. And uh, then a lot of those same, uh, those same like Trumpers will flip if DeSantis wins. Will all just all of a sudden flip their loyalties? So there'll be a huge uh, like Charlie Kirk will be DeSantis country now instead of MAGA country. So because the grift is strong. Yes. Uh, and just on, on that, we have a billionaire leader of the Republican Party, but we have constant funding disadvantages. Can we just point out the irony there. Uh, I mean, I get that that's not going to change because there's a lot of billionaire Bolsheviks out there. Well, let's just point so. out the fact that he actually made a statement at the Federal Reserve last night. Uh, so, so let that me get was this. let me ask, pause the question before we tie into that because i was thinking that too desantis could uh could win the general election if he was went went more populist economically i i read that as a do you think um but yes i i mean i think he is you can comment on the federal reserve yeah i mean he took a huge jab at the federal reserve basically being responsible for saying for making the economy worse which they have I i mean they increased Interest rates before wages were about to naturally increase. I mean, basically, if they had done nothing, yeah, you might have had a little bit of a spike. You would have had an, at least an increase. You in would wages. have had a you would have had a market correction. The problem is twofold: government spending pushes basically the money supply higher, and the banks raising interest rate or the raising interest rates just crushes the middle class. Again, it's a tax. Interest is a tax man I want to get a discussion about usury going on but I don't know how usury applies when we have money with inflation because they didn't have like like the way that in, when the bible was written the way that you inflated the economy was you dilute the gold content in your coin that was how you inflated you would debase your currency and you know very bad idea Rome Uh, so that's why usury was bad right but we don't have that, so I, I we need to have a biblical discussion on that. Uh, Same Riza follows it up with DeSantis needs to go fool Josh Holly if he wants to win the Rust Belt. I think DeSantis wins Ohio anyway. Indiana is a win anyway because Indiana is kind of as red as Texas is. So the states you're talking about are Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. I don't think DeSantis wins Pennsylvania. I don't think DeSantis wins Michigan. I do think DeSantis can win Wisconsin. And I think DeSantis could win Arizona and Nevada. And potentially, his ceiling does include Virginia. So. Yeah, I mean, how many of those, like, you know, very populist on the right, you know, they want some anti-federal reserve talking points. And DeSantis is actually feeding into that and Trump can't, he appointed Jerome Powell. That is, I mean, that's like saying bashing the CDC and Daniel. Yeah. I mean, it's like bashing Anthony Fauci when you let him like linger for a year and gave him a medal on your way out. But yeah, he hired Jerome Powell. So that's a huge avenue for DeSantis to exploit. So Um, I I was very satisfied seeing him go down that road last night. Yeah, I mean, I like, again, end the Fed. If you end the Fed, you can get rid of the national debt. I don't know why people don't, you know, kind of put that one together. Because who owns the national debt? It's the Fed. So, anyway, I I think that kind of wraps up tonight. Uh, I think it's going to be a long primary. Because I think it will be a protracted primary. I think DeSantis wins Iowa, but probably loses New Hampshire. But if he can, you know, Ted Cruz finished in fourth place in New Hampshire. So if he finishes second or maybe third in New Hampshire, I no, still I think it's. Say, I would say he, he needs to come win. in second place at he least in to South win. Carolina. I don't know. I think if Trump is again, yeah. if Trump's convicted of a felony, it's a new primary, basically. And everyone's going to rally to say, especially in the states where if they've adjudicated this, he might even be removed from the primary ballot. Uh, in Minnesota, they determined that Trump can be on the primary ballot, but we're not sure about the general election ballot. How shady is that? So, uh, so when do uh, primary elections even start next year? I believe the Iowa caucus... Is January fifteenth? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna look that up. So Republican, yeah, uh, it'd be the sixteenth or the twenty well, third. Unless it's on a Monday night. No way they're doing it on a Monday. Okay. okay, then it would be the sixteenth. That's a I don't know. So let's do the schedule. So election dates. We got some big dates coming up. Uh, January 15th. Yes. Monday night. Okay. So I call Monday night. They don't do that on Tuesday. Yeah. I, weird. So yeah. January 15th. Then it's game on. And I don't know when Trump's court dates are, but those are bound to get pushed back rather than moved up because that's how court dates work. So anyway, I think that kind of covers all your questions. Any last questions? Nope. Uh, Anything on the Rumble side? Nope. Uh, Anyway, have a blessed night, and we will catch you on the next one.